0: it was quite fun he was like okay go here i was like i was like his secret agent like okay go here do this and then i was like, okay fine i've done it that was really easy he's like yeah they're all easy i don't know why you don't have them hello and welcome to filling in the gaps i'm justin i'm darren today we are
1: going to discuss two games that are i i would say story light puzzle games mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about the gardens between and monument valley So as we have done in the past, because there are two games, we will have a double spoiler warning. We are going to discuss the gardens between first. I basically suggested these two together because they have a, to me at least, a similar feel. They have very relaxing music. They are very simple. Some of the puzzles are a little bit challenging, but overall it's just a relaxing puzzle experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. And they've even got that whole kind of isometric camera angle deal going on where you can rotate things around and things. Yeah, they've both got a very similar feel for me too. And because of that, especially because they're very
1: story light, I was a bit worried that neither one would be enough for kind of a full episode, but I think that they work well together to discuss. Because we're going to start off with the gardens between, let's just get some of the facts out. The dev and publisher is the Voxel Agents. It is about, for me, first time playing through 2.8 hours, according to Steam. Fairly short, yeah. At base is $20, which seems a bit much for that. But the low, even on Steam, is just below $4, which, though it doesn't meet our dollar per hour mark, I would say it's probably worth it. Pretty
0: close, yeah.
1: (sighs) I shouldn't say probably worth it. It's definitely worth it. (laughs) I, I love this game. I think that both of these games are worth it. It would just be a tough sell for me with the way we recommend things and the way that we want things to be really good value that it might feel a bit much to pay $20 for up front.
0: That's the thing. Sales exist and so I'd never say, I mean, I know we have that dollar per hour thing and I do agree with that because I think you should always account for value and replayability and things like that. Something like Monument Valley is way more replayable for me personally than Gardens Between but yeah, would I recommend it? For sure. But I would be hesitant to pick it up for 20 bucks if it's only three hours long. And Monument
1: Valley is not available on Steam. It is a Mobile. game you have to touch.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's not been ported yet. It is available on Google Play and the App Store. Dev and publisher of that is Us2Games. The Guardians Between just came out a couple of years ago, back in 2018. Monument Valley is back from 2014. It is about four dollars on the Google Play at least, and also has really high ratings of four point eight. Yeah. There. It is roughly one and a half to two hours to play. But like you said, and I agree Monument Valley has more of a replayability for me. But Gardens Between also has good ratings. They're very positive with over a thousand reviews. Both are good, both are worth playing. I guess up to you to decide what you want to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Just before we jump into actually talk about each game, one of the reasons that I like to talk about these two together is the fact that they do both have very simplistic style of play and mechanics, as well as doing a really good job of
0: scaffolding up the information you need. Yeah, especially because there's, there's no dialogue or nothing in the game.
1: There's a tiny bit in Monument Valley, but... It's not important for the play. That's only for the story. Yeah. They're just good. Like, I really love these games. They both have an aesthetic, which is very good, which fits what they are trying to do. They both have just really relaxing music. Yeah. It's just a fun experience. Both of these games are the kind of games where I'll happily go in, solve a couple levels, go have lunch, come back,
0: solve a couple levels. I don't feel rushed yeah, and also for me, I felt the gameplay itself is very smooth. It's got this really smooth, almost tactile feel to it. Certainly Mon- Monument Valley does because you actually, you have, actually have to actually touch actually it. use your hands, yeah.
1: But I, I would agree that there is something amazing to the way that it does respond. The way that you move your finger does make it feel like you're actually turning something.
0: Because it also incorporates sound into movement in Monument Valley when you're rotating it around and it plays little little bits of music as you do it. I love stuff like that. So with that, I think
1: we need to actually start talking about the games themselves, the puzzles themselves. I recommend it. You recommend it. Mm -hmm. If you haven't played it, now's the time to head out. Go play it and uh, then come back and listen because I'm sure, like us, you're going to love it and you're going to (laughs) want to... I always say you're going to want to talk about it, but I guess in this case you're just going to (laughs) listen about (laughs) it. But this is talk about
0: it in the comments yes that would be wonderful
1: (laughs) (laughs) in the meantime though it's time for your spoiler warning The Garden's Between. Let's get into it. This is the story of two friends, Arena and Front, and that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. It's just so great because of the way that everything about this game is about that. Yeah. The levels are designed to look like moments from their past, from their friendship, and the whole thing is about, at least the way I interpret it, them reminiscing about their friendship just before one of them has to move away. Yeah. It's very bittersweet at the end when you realize that's what it is about. But these are two friends who live practically next to each other, but there's a garden space between them, which is where they spend a lot of time hanging out in their tree house and doing that kind of stuff. I love the way that it is totally incorporated into the levels. And then you get a picture at the end, which represents the, all those levels and they've sometimes grouped the levels together so you get two or three together that equate into one picture it's just really well done i love that aspect of it
0: yeah it's it's awesome and as someone who's a little bit older as well it's very it's got a real nostalgia feeling to it they're they're heavy on the nostalgia i do have to say something about that i was gonna save it for the end but let's go ahead and
1: say it now the people who made this game are old timers like us because yeah. all of the tech in there is from when <laughs> we were kids. Yeah, it's all cassettes. The dot matrix printer. Yeah. The VHS Nintendo, the remote.
0: Yeah. <laughs> even Silly crows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Everything in it just looks like from my childhood. And I'm like, oh. Yeah,
0: it's a real nostalgia bomb for sure.
1: I'm hoping that in somehow because that feels old that that just makes it timeless mm-hmm. from this point on. I don't think it would feel the same if they used modern technology now but i think part of that is so much of modern technology now is about making things as small as possible as digital as possible so a lot of those things would just be on the computer you can use your phone for pretty much anything you can use your computer for pretty much everything you don't need to have all these separate elements anymore like we had to when we were younger yeah As far as chapters, I watched a speedrun of this today, just to refresh my memory about everything. They had it down as moving in, backyard, lounge, treehouse, museum, stargazing, and finale. So I believe those are each of the sections that you end up having to go through. Yeah. The speedrun, they were doing something funny because... The characters seem to move very, very quickly. I don't remember them moving that quickly. So maybe this is one of those adjusted speed runs that's allowed to do this. Right. I don't think at regular walking speed that you could do it in under 30 minutes. Mm. I feel like the game moves too slowly for that. Right, Not very important, but it was great to go through and see the game again. Mm -hmm. The mechanics of this game. The essential mechanic of the game is get the light to the top of the tower. Yeah and that's pretty much every level. You have the mechanics of being able to take a light from a box or put it onto a box. The boxes or cubes do jump around. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. You also have boxes that you can open and close, usually because they have a flower on top, which is somehow how you can enclose lights. There are two kinds of lights. There's a regular (laughs) kind of light light, and a dark light, which you can use the dark light at times to create or remove the shadows Solid are fog. like fog, yeah, yeah, that's right. Which can sometimes be a wall in your way, or it can be right. a bridge to walk across. So it can be both helpful and Yeah, because an sometimes
0: obstacle. you have to use those plants to suck away the light so that you can get through that fog, don't you? They do that in this. They take a lot of really... It's quite simple. Again, not to compare everything to Portal, but they do run with a kind of Portal mechanic where it's like, this is very simple, put a cube on a, on a spot... This is like get a light to the top, but they do it really well. And it's surprisingly how intricate they can actually make the puzzles from two or three very simple mechanics in the game. And yeah, you can do like that time reverse thing as well, which is not my forte. (laughs) That's for sure. Exactly. That's the last one I had on the list because I already talked about jumping boxes,
1: but we have time manipulation. So there are times where you can, I think your character holds down a rope It, like, pulls on a rope. It's like some kind of
0: Chinese lantern or something like that, isn't it?
1: And then you can move time forward or backward without moving your characters. Yeah. That's the trick. And that's one of the really beautiful things about the game is the overall mechanic of you are basically just taking your characters typically from the left side to the right side. Yeah, you're just pushing right to, to walk. That's all you're doing. And it follows a trail for you. Time moves. And your characters will follow the same trail unless something changes in their environment. And so that's where you come in. You have to do the interactions. The first time I played this, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. It was a game section of the ACME in Melbourne, Australia, which is, I believe it's the Australian Center for the Moving Image. And so they have this great video game section where (laughs) me and a whole bunch of kids are trying (laughs) out these games. And the gardens between, I just saw it and it was beautiful, but I had no idea what I was doing at first. Mm. It really took me a while to figure out what I was doing. I just saw the characters walking right to left and things moved, but it didn't make any sense to me. And then once I understood what was happening, once I understood that I could interact and change what was happening, I could make platforms fall, or, you know, later on, what we find is (laughs) it's just All kinds of amazing things that you can do with the boxes that jump around. One of my favorite puzzles is the one where they jump into different paints. And so you have to follow their path to see which one goes where, put the light in the right spot so that you can pick it up and transfer it to another one. And I just love that puzzle. I didn't get to that when I was at the Acme. I only played on it for about 10 minutes until I understood what it was doing and went, okay. I want to play this all the way through. Someday I'm going to actually get the full game. But having played all the way through it and just watching through it today, it just reminded me like there's so many interesting things that they do in this game. One of the most frustrating was the remote control.
0: All oh, right, yeah, yeah.
1: I had a lot of trouble with that the first time. I didn't know what I was doing. But when you figure it out, it's just so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> because your character pushes a couple different buttons and you have to. Just manipulate time, manipulate going forward and backward to hit the right buttons the right way to get the video cassette to pop out.
0: Oh, that's right, because it pops out and makes a path up. That's right. Yeah, I do remember that.
1: And that's just glorious.
0: I love that. I love the calculator puzzle
1: where you have to go forward, see the numbers as they unfold. Out on... the printer. Is that the one with the printer? I think that's the one with the printer, but you have to see the numbers as they roll around on this golden gear like okay. set of gears mm-hmm. and then you go back and then you have to figure out the right combination of forward and backward to step on the right numbers to get the I believe that's the password to get into the computer so that you can then highlight on the computer the thing that you need which i think is one of the the cubes or maybe it's the printer but yeah right. that you do print out a page which is very important for that level just gorgeous yeah like, <laughs> really love that the do you remember the chalk murals as well? No. So, there are two kind of areas where the cubes will jump in and out of reality. So, there is the one where they jump into the old 8-bit pixelated video game, which I think they call Silly Crows. Yes. And it jumps in and you can get the light because it has jumped in through there and you get it to jump back out. Right. And there's also another level where There are these chalk drawings with cubes that, again, move through. They're going through a playground area. So it's jumping up and going down a slide and swinging around on... Yeah, I
0: don't don't remember that that part. I remember the
1: silly crows, though. It just blew me away because of how they were using these different art styles. And the idea of things jumping in and out of the TV screen just felt amazing to Mm me. The silly
0: crows. I... (laughs) I wonder what game they're basing that off of. Oh, where you pick up a magic flower and throw fireballs? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But there are no crows in that game. That's right. That's probably why Nintendo's not suing them. (laughs) (laughs) But just great things. There was also the dinosaur bones. Do you remember that level? That was a cool level. I (laughs) like that level a lot. Yeah. That was near the end, I think. It was getting close to the end anyway.
1: Yeah. Just loved that whole level. Just the way that it looked. It was just so interesting and it played well. Yeah. It was a lot of
0: fun. And it's quite intricate at that level as well. There's a lot of things you had to activate to pass and to move forward and stuff. And the great thing for me about that when it comes to the finale
1: is that they take all of those bits. Right. Yeah. And they sprinkle all those little bits of things that you've seen and the amazing bits that you've done. Silly Crows even makes an appearance again. (laughs) And you get... Put it all together. So thematically, they've brought it all together as well. That is amazing. That's really good planning. Honestly, I think at that point, I got towards the end of the game and thought I was done and would have been glad to be done. Mm. But then when I saw what they were doing with the finale and how they were bringing it all together, it was just wonderful. I I really love that. Except for the lightning bolt part. I could skip that. The lightning bolt part. There's a part where I believe you have to get. Lightning to strike at exactly the right spot to power up the TV. Was that it? Maybe. There was just a part where you have to get the lightning to hit exactly the right thing and I couldn't seem to get it (laughs) to work. Right. And that one felt to me like it was a bit too... It it wasn't forgiving would be the thing. It just didn't really... It didn't really feel as forgiving as everything else. But in a game that's so good and works so well to have... This one thing that really irritates mm. me, <laughs> that's such a
0: minor thing. I had a problem with the one of the last levels, or at least one of the later levels, and maybe you can fill me in because you just watched it. It was a level where it looked like a dam or something like that. There was water going down a sinkhole or something like that, and you had to jump across, and you had to time it. I had a big problem getting across those boxes. Yes, so there are... Was like washing different... machines going over and stuff. I can't no, remember what I don't what think washing machines, but there are lots of things.
1: So the first... One is getting across these drink cans, like cola cans.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: And that teaches you how to do it. And then the next one is very difficult because you'll have multiple islands of multiple things. There's a doorway that just has a fog in it so you can't get through. Yeah, I, I will admit that was a very frustrating level. But once you know how it works, once you figure out the timing, I think if you played it again... You wouldn't have as much problem with it, right? I think this is one of those. Whereas, I think if I hit that lightning thing again, I think I would still have trouble (laughs) doing that one. Or maybe they fixed it since then, right? right? I probably played this six months ago.
0: I remember exactly that lightning level. Yeah, it's like a it's like a spiral that you walk down, and then there's a there's a TV, and there's like some dangling cable or something like that. Yeah, and it's like it's like shorting out. I do remember that level. That was pretty hard. Yes.
1: There's also, uh, if we're talking about puzzles that are memorable, the one with the
0: elevator. I like the elevator puzzle. That was pretty tough, but I liked it because solving it, you're like, yeah, man, <laughs> I'm a genius. Once you get it, but it, it's hard. Yeah. It's
1: the thing. It only took me 2.8 hours to play, but boy, did it feel like it took longer yeah.
0: sometimes. <laughs> yeah, because I think with that one, you got to get almost to the top. And then you've got to reverse time all the way back down to more or less the bottom and do it again while doing some like manipulation in between as well. It's not like the earlier levels, and again, that's good scaffolding, the earlier levels are like, okay, go up to this point, now reverse it a little bit and then continue on. This one's like, go all the way to the end, now work backwards and find out how to get that in the right place. You have to lower the elevator to get a light onto it, but you can do that. Getting it back up is a real (laughs) <laughs> I think, is that the right one? It's something like that. Is That's it right? the one
1: I'm thinking of, yeah. yeah. It's a really well-done puzzle, though, yeah. and I really enjoyed it. So that would be probably my other memorable one. As far as imagery in the levels, you have between the levels, you're in the treehouse on a lake or on the water, right? Mm-hmm. And when you solve each level, the picture shoots up to the sky as though it's part of a constellation,
0: which is actually very Similar good. to Monument Valley as well at the <laughs> end when they do the fireworks and stuff. Which is very good, actually,
1: because we know that the telescope is very important to them because that's a whole level is based around the telescope. Right. Which was also another interesting puzzle of having to move time around so that you could look at the stars and grab the light out of the stars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You also have... In different levels. The sofa, you have the picnic with all the different foods. It's just the way each map, each map of each level is designed with all this interesting bits of information, because all of the things that you see are somehow important to these two.
0: Yeah, and the maps don't feel cluttered. Everything seems to be there for a reason. There's a lot of care went into making each level design. The level designers did a, a fantastic job on the game, for sure. Even the little bits at the end, in between levels, where it shows you them hanging out in the treehouse or, or something like that. And then, you, like you said, you got to hold down the button to make the circle go around, and then the constellation pops up. Which, strangely, there's a lot of achievements for the game are in those parts. There's one, oh, really? There's one achievement per scene of those. As you're pressing forward... Something will just be like doodly, doodly, it'll shake a little bit. And so you gotta rewind back to that, and then just focus on that and then it'll something'll pop out and then it'll be like ta da It'll be like I, I So what pops out. Like I mean, it depends each time. So it's, it might be might be a cat jumps out of a box or something. I can't remember, but there's one. There was one achievement where they're lying down on the sofa, and either the boy or the girl is throwing popcorn in the face. If you just rewind and fast forward, you get an achievement for like throwing popcorn in someone's face like 50 times. <laughs> it's just things like that. Uh, uh, really fun. I guarantee you, I did not get those achievements. <laughs> yeah, we well, were talking just
1: before we started recording about the achievements. You've now. 100 percent of it right
0: yeah thanks to a friend who saw my achievement because i think he'd just done them and then he realized i also owned the game and then he's like oh why do not you have these achievements and i just said well i don't really play for the achievements if I, don't, if I if i see them then i'll pick them up but i don't really go back to get them he's like oh this is really easy and then he just basically walked me through each one he's like okay level three go to this one here you don't even have to go into the game just like just do this and he just like took me through each part and then just got me. Oh, it was like I was on a secret mission. It's a mission Impossible <laughs> for Gardens Between achievements. But yeah, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun, and finding all the little secrets was like cool. So, like for example, the crazy. Well, no, not crazy crows. What was it called? Silly crows. Silly crows. There's an achievement you can get where if you reverse time to get the fire flower, you can actually kill the crow at the end. You get the box and you do all that, but then. You change it, you switch it so that it doesn't die, so that you don't die at the end of the crow dice. Ding, get a little achievement. Oh, that was easy. But it helped having someone tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: sure. It just works well. I think that it's a short game with a light but very relatable story. Mm -hmm. And the story is told all through images and the level design in a way that feels very special.
0: Yeah, and I liked the story because it was simple and it, I was kind of expecting it to be some kind of twist at the end because everything has to have a twist. But it was like, no, it's just a, a story about two kids' friendship and, you know, no one's going to die or something. No one's, no, 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 nothing drastic is going to happen. It's just something even worse, like your best friend moving away to another side of the country and maybe never see them again. Like, yeah. And I felt that because I moved around a lot as a kid. And so I got maybe got something extra from this game as well because it felt... Like, yeah, man, that was me, like, all was moving. And the way that they tell the story is just through images and just, like you said, excellent music. Really good music cues are so important for games. And they do it really well because they convey this, like, really happy, funny, but sad story. I suspected somebody was going to die. I suspected that's what
1: this was about. I was actually somewhat pleased that they went with a simpler, more heartfelt they weren't going for the big sad moment they were going for the sad moment you know is sad for them and because we've probably all experienced that at some point as well so i'd say that's why we love it and if you listen to this because you don't care about spoilers i'd still recommend it i think that there is something about this game that just being in the world playing it is going to feel so much more powerful than anything we could say here on the podcast true but with that We're going to jump into Monument Valley. Mm -hmm. So if you've not played Monument Valley Mm -hmm. and you're worried about spoilers, now's your your spoiler warning. Ding. Monument Valley is a game that you loved so much you loaned me your tablet (laughs) for like a week or so to play. And so I think that we've already... Probably by the time this episode comes out, we've already talked about The Room Old Sins. And that was the other game that I played at that same time. Boy, did I love Monument Valley. Yeah. Just It's just something really special. I do have a little problem. I did watch a speedrun today, mm-hmm. which, again, takes about 30 minutes. And I think that was a very honest 30 minutes. I confuse it a lot because you didn't just have Monument Valley. You had Monument Valley and the DLC and Monument Valley 2, but I didn't play that one. Yeah. But mostly because you said... It's not very good.
0: <laughs> and I'm probably going to get a lot, of, uh, a lot of heat for that, but it's definitely not as good as the first one. It's all right, but we're not here to talk about that. We're right. here to celebrate this awesome game. Because <laughs> right. it is, it's good. So we may talk a bit, just
1: triple spoiler warning here. <laughs> we may talk about some of the DLC, because there are a few things in the DLC I do want to mention. Probably nothing that would really be spoiler- Territory, but just
0: in case, DLC is free as well, which is great. I didn't. Is pay it? Free. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, I, I didn't pay anything for it. So, well, that makes the four dollars base even better. Even better, yeah.
1: Because I was thinking, oh, four dollars for an hour and a half, two hours. Oh, it's a good game. It's a great game, and I'd probably play it twice. But you know, we're cheap, so <laughs> <laughs> so going, oh, I don't know. Yeah, because it is the type of thing where I've already played it. Mm. So, would it be worth it for me to buy it to play it again?
0: To be honest, I I I kind of played this game like my friend the flicks through movies. Like I'll just play the box level again because I love that level. Or I'll play the rookery again because I like that level as well.
1: I totally think that I would if I had it. If I had it on my phone. I think if I put it on my
0: tablet, I so rarely get my tablet out yeah, these days exactly. that I might not. But if it was on my phone. Yeah, so if you're in a taxi and you've got ten minutes to spare, just play a level. Yeah, it's so relaxing. Yeah, it's fun and the levels even though you know exactly what you've got to do. I don't know. There's just something about playing each level that is just, even though you know the answer, it's still fun to play. There's something about this game as well. So as I said, I watched
1: a speed run to refresh myself on what was in the game and remind myself of some of the things that I wanted to talk about. 30 minutes. I mean, you can <laughs> do it if you know everything. Yeah. That is a push. But the person playing was just tapping away, tapping away, tapping away. And that's the thing is... The audio, clearly, the audio was coming from around. People were talking in the background. And you could hear all the tapping, 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 tapping. Because he was trying to do it as quickly as possible. Tap, 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 trying to make sure that Princess Ida gets to where she's supposed to go. Because sometimes, yeah, if you don't do that, she'll stop partway and you have to tap again. So when you're doing a speedrun, I get it. But the thing is... I love Monument Valley because it's so relaxing. Yeah, it's the opposite of a speedrun. <laughs> that's and that's the thing. That's what I realized watching it. it's like this there are some games that are not meant to be a speedrun and yeah. This is kind of one of them. And it's just because it is designed, at least it feels to me, designed to be a completely relaxing environment. And <laughs> you take that away when you start putting pressure on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I saw Kevin Spacey play this in uh, House of Cards and I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot because it did look cool. Did you actually get to see part of the game? Yeah, I think oh. so. Yeah. 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 I thought maybe he just mentioned it by name. I think you got to see like maybe, maybe two seconds of it. Um, the visuals for this game are just so amazing. Because this was his happy place, basically. Yeah, he was like, I play this and I forget about everything. Yeah, you can see why. That's exactly what we've just said about it. It's relaxing, it's soothing, the music is good, all the sound effects are really delicate and stuff. And The way you get to control the world as well. Yeah, that's, that's cool as well. You see, uh, I don't even know how
1: to describe it, the... It's M.C. Escher-ish, isn't it?
0: Well, that I would definitely say, but I was just going to say about the four-prong cranks that you know that you can turn. Oh right, yeah. So yeah, if you see if you see like little circles on the side of buildings and stuff, you know you can slide them up or you can slide them sideways. So you can manipulate all the world. Yeah, it's all this kind of perception based puzzles. I would say it definitely messes with your
1: perspective in many ways. Right away, they do that in the very (laughs) the the super easy puzzle that is chapter one, where you basically just have to turn one thing. Right. Yeah. But it shows you that. It matters the way that you are looking at it. If you can see it being connected, even though logically it shouldn't be connected, yeah, it is connected because you can see that and you can get her to walk across. Yeah. The story for this game is very simple. Yeah. It's Princess Ida, mm-hmm. who apparently stole some shapes and is trying to get back to return them. All along the way, you'll occasionally bump into these I don't know Crows? <laughs> What I'm not talking about the crows. Oh. I'm talking about the ghostly monks oh, that are right, hanging that... out.
0: Yeah, they're not very happy
1: with us. No. They're saying, Thiefy What are you princess? doing What are you doing back here, thief? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> but this whole story is a redemption story. She's trying to return everything so that she can I don't know exactly what the ending means, maybe we'll talk about that right at the end. But it's just so simple and it was incredibly, incredibly addictive. Like this game, I'm pretty sure that I what I did was blast through the main game day one, day two. I went to Forgotten Realms, I mm-hmm. think, and then day three was was I just dream. dream, yeah. So I think it was. I'm gonna put it away and do something else. <laughs> and do one, two, three. But within three days, I had yeah. I think conquered all of them because I just loved this game. Yeah. As far as mechanics, really simple. They're like I said, those four prong handles that you can turn to move platforms around you have the blocks with circles on them that you can slide over with your finger Mm -hmm. there are switches to push to activate things there are buttons you can get her to step on that's one of the few things that you don't control Mm -hmm. but i do think it's very interesting that we as the player seem to control so much of the world and she just gets to step on a button. Yeah, That's well, all <laughs> she gets to do and walk around. Yeah. That's all she gets. We also have Altered Gravity. Oh, yeah, of course, because you can Spider-Man up the side of things. Yeah. yeah. There, Especially right towards the end, there was a level that just totally
0: boggled my mind yeah. when it came to that. Because it's basically like, I think the, the rule is, if you can angle yourself you, you can't walk onto something at a harsh 90 degree angle but if you if you can go on a curve onto that side if it, as long as it's flat you can walk on it that's the rule just no 90 degree turns and that's evident from pretty early on in the game that rule's kind of laid out and then yeah it's a lot of fun just planning out where you're going to walk up and how you're going to get around and things yeah it's, it's such a simple but really unique game i'd never really played anything like this before for me, this game, you said, what was it, 2014? Yes. Yeah. And for me, this came around a time when everyone was like, oh, mobile games are dead and you're an idiot if you play anything on mobile. It's just microtransaction junk. But Monument Valley, to me, kind of proved that there's still hope for the mobile market. I think in particular, this and
1: The Room, having played Old Sins on the tablet, there is something really amazing to the tactileness of it. Mm-hmm and how you could, as Fireproof Games has proven, you can take the room and put it onto desktop. But I do think it, sometimes, some puzzles, it's missing a little something, because there's something fun to the way you can do it on the tablet or on your phone that you can't do it on the PC. Right. And this game, maybe that's why they haven't done it, because it is so much, I get to turn this with my finger, and it just right. works, and it feels good and I'm not sure if it would feel the same with yeah, it a would mouse. just be
0: It would just be clicking and dragging with your mouse whereas yeah. in this yeah it's like almost like when you're spinning something you're yeah you're you're cranking it with your finger and yeah it's there's something tactile to it They've done a really great job of it, of just it
1: turns at the same speed that my finger is moving. It feels like I'm turning it.
0: Yeah, and if you're in a rush, you can, <laughs> or you can go slow if you want to be precise, and you know, especially with something where it's like an L shaped one where you're trying to get it exactly on. Another good thing about that is they want it to be exact, but they've got a certain amount of leeway where if you're not exactly on it, it'll junk and shift it onto you, you know, so it's not frustrating to play. Everything is very smooth, again, just like a kind of Gardens Between. You
1: have the puzzle element as well of walking in one door and walking out another. Oh yeah, that's right, the portal things, yeah. The kind of Scooby-Doo chase mechanic. (laughs) (laughs) Figure out which door you're going into and which door you're coming out of. That's right, yeah. Which they use very, very well. It is very Escher-like because it does mess with your perspective and also your preconceived notions of what Should be happening, and how this does connect?
0: Yeah, because you're like, I want to get up there. There's no way you can get up there, but if you just turn this thing, it's like, oh, yeah, that that fits. As far as puzzles, it's a tough one to talk
1: about puzzles unless we just run through the levels. Because I think, yeah, they're all it scaffolded so well that I never really felt like I was totally stuck anywhere. Yeah, I I think right towards the end, the end level with getting the different sections to light up would be. (laughs) Level 10
0: was quite tough,
1: yeah. yeah. But um, do
0: you want to do that? Do you want to do a quick... Well, I mean, yeah. So the first level was just literally rotate like a platform ten. and then uh, talk to the grandmother or whatever, who, the ghost. The second one was that one where it was like you had to channel the water. Was it channeling the water? No. No, no, you just had to walk onto a platform, rotate it, walk up. The third one was... This was the one where you, you start to learn how to slide things across. The first... Maybe the first four levels are mostly tutorial, spinning things, using your perspective to get onto platforms that you didn't think you could get onto, sliding things along. And then I think it's by about level five, and that's the spire, is where you've got you. Is this the first time you see the crows? I think it's the first time the crows get in your way like this. Right. Because I I like this level because this is all about timing and the crows, they're a menacing force. But they don't kill you, you know? They don't really do anything. They're just really irritating. And they're loud. <laughs> exactly. You don't
1: want to get in their way because they will just call at you very loudly. And they're not you.
0: happy with Princess Ida. I think that's part of the story. I think I think that you could definitely make the argument that they They've been cursed, I guess, because she stole the sacred geometry, is what they call it. And so I think she cursed them. So they're not happy with her. They don't want her back. But I think it's very possible she took away their ability to fly, which is why they only walk around. Right, right, because black crows can't fly, but white crows can. Seems or whatever they turn to, blue at the end. and red and pink. Oh and, yeah, they yeah. all the colours of the rainbow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the spire. That's the one where yeah, you just got to uh, avoid the crows, and yeah, they can go on ninety degree turns. Yes, but we can't. we can't. See, it's not all bad being a crow <laughs> They can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's level six, which was Let me talk about just for a second
1: as you're going through. So we're basically looking at the game to refresh ourselves. In between each level, the design, the art that goes into each level, it should bother me, it should irritate me because I just want to jump to the next thing, next thing, next thing. I can be a very impatient person. The whole game is meant to be relaxing, so even The in-between sections. You'll see the name of the game. Right. You'll go down to the little, what looks kind of like a temple. The artistic image kind of moves a little bit and it's very soothing. And then you turn the building so you can
0: go to the next one. It's wonderful. Yeah, even even the menu is cool. (laughs) Yeah, level six. This is the one that I really enjoyed this level because this is the one where you meet Your friend, who is an animate rock, basically. I was going to say this at the end, but let's talk about it now. Totem.
1: (laughs) Totem is maybe my favorite part of the game. Yeah. I don't know why it works so well. But Totem... And you've seen other versions. I think of Totem even as early as level two. Mm -hmm. It's just part of the level. But having the one that moves around... It has eyes, which I think does help. I yeah. think if it had no eyes it wouldn't help as much. Right. But then also being able to control it. Uh-huh. So you now have the same kind of affinity to Totem as you might to Princess Ida. Mm-hmm. The fact that Totem is there to help you out. At times you get separated, which is a bit frustrating. And then I forget, it might be the next level. There's a level where you do get separated and it looks like you're leaving Totem behind. And then Totem comes crashing (laughs) through the wall. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then keeps following you to the point where Totem is underwater. Yeah.
0: He's like, don't leave me, Wilson. Yeah. And he's just like, it's so sad. I I was destroyed by that, man. How did I feel so sad for a rock?
1: But I do think that that's part of why in the DLCs they make sure to have Totem again.
0: And they make sure to do even more horrible things to him. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the most frustrating thing in in the whole game one, mm-hmm. like all the DLC everything was Is it
0: Forgotten Realms? I think it's Forgotten Realms. That's the one with like you, you go into the lava, basically. You go all the way down to the bottom and there's lava and then here comes your friend again out of the lava and he basically boosts you to the top again. And then you go on your little adventure with him. Yeah.
1: But okay. there's the one point where Totem is separated into the four different pieces. Yes. And you have to put Totem back together yeah. again. And that was very rough at first. Oh, look at you. No, that's so sad. And yeah. it took me so long to figure out that puzzle. That's a
0: big part because it's a big sprawling area.
1: and the- Because each piece of Totem... Is a different puzzle area, so
0: you have four to five different puzzles you have to solve. And before you can't you can do, do it. it until you rescue one piece because you need that piece to advance to the next part of the map, where you will need then need two pieces. So that's really well designed puzzle, but because this game is so contained and so quite simple, that level was really tough because it's like, whoa, I could go in four directions here. Where do I begin? But it works so well. Like mm. I, I really love that. That was one of the most memorable
1: puzzles for me overall.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I love Totem. Yeah. That's, I mean, how did they... Yeah, I think you're right, man. It's probably the eye. Or the eyes. He's got four eyes, basically, doesn't he? But I don't think so. I think is he's this just one got on them side? on either side. Ah, okay. And then a triangle, maybe arrow, that For an, indicates or a nose. Anode. Yeah. But yeah, he's a good addition midway through the game as well, because he introduces a completely new mechanic. Like you said, you can control him and Ida. You so can they can both be stepping switches. on buttons. Yeah. yeah. I keep on calling them switches. They're, yeah, they're buttons and also you can get on top of him and you can transport yourself around onto higher ledges and things like that so and that, totem can also follow the gravity rule and be at different angles if if totem can follow a flat area. Yeah, if you get him onto like something basically that you can rotate around, yeah, he can become a bridge or something like that as well. I don't know if you do that in do you do that in the base game or is that in the DLC? What to all? become a bridge? Yeah. Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. The rookery is, was, was the next one. That was an interesting one. Is that the one where... No, no, it's the thief, where the, they steal your hat, isn't it? Yes. I think the rookery
1: is where you have to do more timing. And I, I believe the rookery has one of my favourite parts in the game where you have to capture one of the crows
0: in a section and then lower that section to... Oh, oh that's the rookery. Yeah, that that took me a while to get that, man. But the thing is, when you're looking at it as well, there's only one way that that crow can come. For the longest time, I'm like, you just can't get around him. You can't get around him. I can get him on top of that and raise him up into the sky, but then I can't go through. Right. So, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really dumb. <laughs> but uh, you be quiet. Go down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like get him in as soon as he goes inside. <laughs> that's the, that's where the uh, speed spinning comes into yes. play. It's like, <laughs> get in there. Uh, But then the next level is my favorite by far, and that's the box. The box is fantastic. What a level this is. It's a puzzle box where you're setting off the... Like you're turning on the lights for the different sections.
1: But it, again, completely messes with your preconceived notions as it opens one way and it is one color and one puzzle. And then you open it a different way later and none of that stuff should fit in this box.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really the TARDIS inside there. Uh, and it also has a goldfish tank for some reason. Like, what? <laughs> I like this because it also introduces something else. I think this is the first time where you actually have to direct a crow to stand on a switch. Because I think the crow activates the final... Or depends on how you play it, I guess. But he will activate one of the lights. Yeah, though I think you had to do that in the Rookery. Ah, did you have a to do that before? Things. And then what I really love about this... And again, for people who want to just like speedrun things and get through it, it's like you finish the box. It's not like you just go on the next level. You have to wait until everything resets and everything goes back in place like the Hellraiser cube almost. <laughs> it's just beautiful. It's such a cool level. But yeah, my, that's definitely my favorite level for sure. I don't know if it's yours or... It probably would be
1: overall for this one. What they did with the box is basically what they did almost entirely with Ida's Dream. Right, yeah, yeah, that's right. The whole main area of that is uh, essentially. That's like a, a watermelon or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I loved that.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> yes, it's the box again, but different. <laughs> and I, I did think that that was very, very interesting what they were pulling with that one. Yeah.
0: Right, yeah. And then, yeah, so level nine. Oh, yeah, this is where we get the, a big bulk of the story, isn't it? The, the descent. So you pick a flower, you're like on this maroon little rock in the middle of a storm, and then you can't do anything until you pick up this red flower, and then the sea level starts dropping as you go down, revealing more of the map. A little bit of weirdness going on in that, because, yeah, you're like, how do I get over there? But you again, this is where your little uh, friend comes back, totem, and uh, he helps you get down. Yeah, so basically, this is where you, you get a lot of story in here, though, because this is where you find out you, you've got that mirror where... Yeah, you see yourself as one of these like white angel crows. It's like you've got like crown halo a halo or crown or something like that. Yeah. And it's just all about oh, getting down to the bottom of this. And then when you get down to the bottom, it's really depressing because there's like... It looks like, like a graveyard. A mass of grave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's not a mass grave, but yeah, it's a, a huge graveyard. And then you lay down your, your offering, I guess. And then that's you just saying sorry, I suppose. Lifting the curse or not. Not yet, but... Not yet, because you still have to replace the ultimate shape, I think. That's right. So Observatory. Level 10, the final level. This is the one that gave me the most difficulty. Yes, me too. Because there's sections of the cube that are, they've got gaps in them. And so you can't even walk across that to get into the doors that you think you're supposed to be going into. And you have to
1: turn a lot of these pillars on their side so that you can walk at a different angle through gravity. And every one of these levels is a giant level that you can move many things and all the way around. And I just found some of them so complex and difficult to maneuver and to remember. It just basically makes me understand in part why I can never solve a Rubik's cube. I just do (laughs) not think properly in three dimensions. And this level kind of hammered that home Mm. to me. Very good though. I mean, I'm not going to argue that it's
0: bad in any way. It works very well. It's just tough for me personally. Yeah, this is another one where you got to light it up, isn't it? you got to light the three lights up, uh, the three different doors take you into a place, that's right. One thing I don't remember is, what does happen at the end? Because it's been such a long time since I played this, but I've played it so many times, but I've never, I've never completed it so many times. You know what I mean? Like, I've just played the levels that I enjoyed. This is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, this is not your favorite <laughs> level,
1: and I totally get that. So, watching it today, what I remember seeing was... Ida places the final puzzle piece, which is, or, or I guess the final shape. So up until now, they've been much simpler, right? I think we started with a cube and then it goes to like a sort of diamond. Like and yeah. this one is much more grand. It has lots of uh, spikes coming out of it. So it, it probably has a name that I don't know. It's a more complicated geometric shape than I'm typically familiar with. So mm-hmm. she places that and then she essentially transforms into the white crow with the crown on it that we saw earlier all the crows standing around her shed their blackness and become all different colors blue and yellow and pink and they can all fly off now yeah
0: they'll get raptured (laughs) yeah cool game such a cool game all right so we both love this game
1: and even the dlc is very good right yeah yeah. Do you even remember the second game, why it didn't work for you? Were the puzzles not as good? Did it not look as
0: good? Is there anything you remember about it? Yeah. So one thing is, this is going to sound dumb, but they changed the tapping sound, and that had a big effect because sound plays such a huge point in this game, like a huge part in this game.
1: was that and a really bad sound. It was, a,
0: it was like a really dull, weird, just like a really, I'm going to say boring sound. Like a, almost like a keyboard it was almost like a typewriter clack 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 it didn't sound good Not a lot of the sounds had been changed and weren't as fluid or didn't feel as relaxing to me so they definitely they messed up something with the sound oh wait a minute I don't know if you want to include this part, but yeah. So I'm going to bust out my phone. I'm pretty sure I wrote a review for this. I want to see what I wrote. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what I wrote, right? This will maybe refresh my memory as well. I said, I was on the list, anxiously waiting while all the Apple people got their hands on this first because it was like an Apple exclusive. I'm a huge fan of the first game and the sequel's a massive disappointment. One, the sound effects aren't as polished. Two, it has more levels, but they're so easy that the game is a lot shorter. one of the levels, you literally just walk from point A to point B, and that's it. It does fill in gaps in the story from the original, and it has some really cute moments, so that's a plus. But overall, I didn't think it was worth the money. I can't actually see the price of it because I've purchased it, and Google won't show me what the price is, but I imagine it was, I think it was about five or six or seven bucks for it. And I, I'd been waiting for it because I was like, I'm, I'm all over this game. And yeah, sound effects, the levels were, there were there were definitely more levels. I think there was something like 16, 17 levels, but they were all really short. They did some interesting things where it's like, it's all about growing trees and stuff. And you can rotate to like manipulate light. So if the tree is in the light, it'll grow out and then you can walk on top of it and then you can spin it around to get to another place. So there's a lot of this like growing trees and shrinking down trees to get to where you're going. But yeah, just wasn't as good. But I think it's a prequel to this. It's when Ida was a little girl and you're with your mum and you have to do things in tandem with your mother. Just my personal opinion, not as good as the first one.
1: Okay. I will say that in the other DLCs, they did introduce a couple of mechanics that are also very interesting. The twisting of pillars. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. So you're not just spinning them, you're actually twisting them, which allows you to
0: do your... You ninety degree gravity switch, right? Yeah, that's right. That's exact. Yeah, because there's that one where it's like the four big long pillars, and then they they warp around and so yeah, you can kind of walk up and around, and then you can land on the yeah, the hard ninety on a, on on a block. That was really cool. It's really cool, though. I do find some of those
1: puzzles, at least in my memory, some of those were the most difficult puzzles for me to figure out, especially yeah. later game. Yeah,
0: because there's one level in that one I think where. I can't remember, but it's, it's almost like there's it's like four lines going out like this, and there's a door in them over here, and you have to you can actually choose which way to twist it and you have to kinda of rotate it, you'll end up on this side, and then you, you have to get across onto this door. and So basically the problem is the same problem that I've been having with the end of the
1: first game, thinking in three dimensions. Right. I think I'm walking towards the right door, but I'm clearly not. Or wait, did I do that door already? Now I'm forgetting <laughs> where I was because I can't properly think in three dimensions yeah. in, in this way.
0: yeah. I think there was even one part in the DLC where you are walking. It looks like you're on the block, but you're actually upside down. And so you, you have to think about where the edge is and like, Oh, I can't actually walk that way because I'm looking at it from my perspective, but she can't walk on that until the, she can't go past that part really confusing but yeah i wish they'd done that's what i was expecting with two i was expecting more cool escher stuff and they kind of didn't do it it was more about rotating things around and just yeah like i said growing trees and stuff for stuff yeah. which i get it you know they wanted to go in a different direction and do something different because probably designing something like this is probably quite hard man you know it's uh, i would imagine it's not easy I, I don't know if there's any other games that are similar i did try to find some other games that were in this similar vein. I found one, but it wasn't really that good. So far, I haven't seen anything to replace it.
1: I mean, the closest thing that I think that we have both tried, but I don't think either of us finished, was the bridge. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. The bridge, to, uh, I mean, boy, you want to talk about Escher-esque. Maybe. <laughs> <There you laughs> tried go. to get the hand-drawn style to look like that as well. And the early levels of that game are really good, but the later game... I think we got right
0: to the end and we just were like, nah. There's tap, one tap, level down. that I think tapped us both out, and that's a rough level. I, even, it's w- I even watched the walkthrough of that and I still couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's pretty bad, but it's interesting. And some of you out there may find it easier than we did, but I was constantly going to a walkthrough for help because there were just, it just wasn't scaffolded as well. Yeah. It yeah. was introducing a lot of stuff or having stuff in the level that was very confusing to me. Whereas this game is the opposite of it. I, could just shoot through it with no words, no instructions, no hints for the most part. I, I don't think I needed any to get through this game. A bit of perseverance on a couple levels, but otherwise, it's just a really well-made game. The way they use color helps to guide you. The crows sometimes block you in a way that helps you so you don't go the wrong way. Right. It really guides you without making you feel like it's guiding you. hmm and that is really something impressive. Both of these games do that. They don't give you a lot of instruction. They, uh, guards in between, I know, will tell you which button to hit to do a couple of things, but that's about it. Yeah. These games don't hold your hand, but they guide you enough so that they don't need to. And I think that that makes both of these well worth playing. And someday I probably will go back to them. Gaps the more gaps created.